We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof, the Field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. I am your host, Jacob Karabatsis, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Riley Davis. Listen, Riley and I are on cloud nine, okay? That game Monday was electric. UNC won the second half, 52-30. to We're pushing RJ Davis Player of the Year propaganda all episode to the extreme, it, it, it's been great, man. Off to a off to a riveting start in the ACC. Riley, how are you, my man? Yeah, you hit all the main talking points. Like this is Carolina's ninth straight straight ninth straight win. It's their longest since 2016. Uh, that team made the Final Four. Hopefully, this one is on its way back there too. Yeah, be, I was think I got to go to that game on Monday. Uh, great atmosphere. It took a little while. I will say the Smith Center seemed a little sleepy in the first half. Uh, I ranted about this on one of my videos with Sleepers Media. Make sure you follow them as well. I'm on that that YouTube feed a lot too. Um, but I was walking down to the Dean Dome on Monday night. And I walked by the UL, the undergrad library. I saw a lot of students at desks, Jacob Karabatsis. I saw a lot of students in there cracking the books. I'm talking mm. 20 minutes before tip-off. We have a top five team. We have a top five team. We missed the tournament last year. I know that we are UNC fans. I know UNC is one of the best two, three, at, at worst four programs of all time, but we can't take this for granted. This is a special team, and I'm just imploring students. I'm imploring more people like every game at the Smith Center. I know it's a big arena. Some may say it's too big, but we got to sell out this. We got to sell out the Dean Dome. Like there should be no reason for there to be empty seats, especially with Wake Forest coming to town. Uh, that's my one gripe. Second half crowd was definitely into it, especially once RJ got going. They really rallied around him. Just a fun game to be at, and it's there's nothing like having a team that can lock up anybody. Um, which really hasn't I haven't really felt that way um, about really any UNC team in recent memory. It was always maybe the 2017 team they could get stops when they needed to, um, but it's always been you know the best teams have been playing at 100 miles an hour and just putting up 90 on everybody. It's it's fun to have a different little dimension with, yeah, watching a Carolina team that that guards, that checks, um, and then having the, gu- the the best guard in the country. Like, what is there not to like? 
Yeah, I mean, first off, I guess these kids just these days just don't get the sacrifice, Riley. You know, me and I'm just I'm sure you like when there was a game, the the books were either getting hit heavy before, mm-hmm. and we're taking a break to go turn up in the Dean Dome, and then we're hitting them again after, or we were going to the game and we were just going to stay up late and have a long night hitting the books. Look, man, we need y'all there. I will say, our our coveted guest, Neil Pierre-Louis, did tweet this last night because it did finally get to this point, and I must agree with him. Watching us beat the wine and cheese crowd allegations live on TV was magnificent. But it'd be nice to have that from the jump, man, because especially mm-hmm. when, you, when you start out down 34-33, you know, Wake Forest has hit a couple crazy shots. Like you're, we're not hitting anything. You know, mm-hmm. that's what that's when you need the energy to feed off of. They brought it in the second half and and turned up. But yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything you're saying about the about the the teams of of years past because I look at this UNC group and I compare it to Kentucky, for example. Um, why Kentucky got killed last night is because they can't guard, and so they couldn't hit shots, and not being able to hit shots, they're a 0% chance to win the game because they don't guard. That's kind of been the case for a lot of UNC teams in the past, and right. that's why I love and trust this team so much because the percentages still have not been great. They were great mm-hmm. in the second half. Mm-hmm. But the team guards so well and they rebound so well that it just it just doesn't matter, man. I I just love this group so much. So, so, so many factors and reasons why. I do have one theory though that I, that just has to get put out there. I, so I saw Tate Frazier, another coveted guest, tweet this. <laughs> so I put this together. South Carolina's good. They killed Kentucky last night. They're 16 and 3. So, where was the Final Four played the last time that South Carolina made the Final Four, Riley? In Phoenix, Arizona. And who came out of that Final Four as the national champions, Riley? I believe it was the Redeem Team 2017 North Carolina Tar Heels. So, the correlation is there. (laughs) We're back in Phoenix. Another redeem team type scenario, albeit a different type of redemption. <laughs> South Carolina being good might be the best thing for North Carolina. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe there's a tie-in, but no. Nah, I mean, listen, I really, I just trust this team. I just right now, it's very hard for me to see an avenue in which they are not a Final Four team. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. that good and they guard that well. But let's just get into what you saw from the game, man. Like. We'll get into the RJ excellence a little later. Outside of the RJ excellence, what did you see? It comes down to defense. And I I think I'm, I keep seeing people really, you know, Carolina haters, Duke fans, whoever it is, saying eventually a team's going to get hot and they're going to lose. It's going to happen in the tournament, which, like, I know we'll get to RJ later, but do people think that Carolina can't score the ball if a team gets hot? I just got to throw that out there. Like, we have scores too. But yeah, the defense to me is so impressive night in, night out. And this is where I think Armando Baycott deserves a ton of credit because he has ratcheted it up a, another, what seems like five levels. Um, he's never been like an explosive shot swatting rim protector, uh, kind of until this year. I mean, he's blocking a lot more shots. It's still, it's not like, 
you know, you, he's not like a Walker Kessler type with a crazy long wingspan who can swat shots emphatically. But um, I mean, he had four blocks against Wake Forest. He's had 20 blocks total in this nine game winning streak. He had 33 blocks all of last season. I think his total on the year is 38 already and 20 in these last nine. Like he is, he's turned himself into a great rim protector um, and his ability to muck it up down low and to keep any easy baskets. Like Wake Forest only attempted 10 layups. They shot four for 10 on layups against Carolina on Monday. Um, that's been huge because you see it, how, how it manifests where like offenses are just out of rhythm when they get these even shots that look open, they're not set shots. And I think that's been a lot of why Carolina is forcing teams to shoot below 30% from beyond the arc and conference play. And, you know, I, I'll concede some of that percentage is probably random. Like there are going to be guys who do make contested shots regardless. And like, if it stays in the twenties, all ACC season, that would probably be historic numbers. And I, I think this, this unit is a legitimate top five defense in the country. I don't know if it's going to be like historically great shooting numbers, but yeah, it's just, it, it stems so much from how physical Carolina plays, how it's guards really like get into opposing ball handlers. And I mean, you have Seth Trimble off the bench, who's heating up the ball, like just hounding dudes whenever he's out there. I think both Cadeau and RJ have been fantastic over the stretch defensively. I'm so tired of seeing people say their liabilities. Uh, when Cadeau held Boopy Miller to two for 12 shooting, 0 for 5 from three, like, come on now. Boopy was a 40 plus percent three point shooter and went 0 for 5 and like couldn't do anything against Elliot Cadeau. So, yeah, I'm fired up about how good this defense is. We run teams off the line. Like, Cameron Hildreth got his buckets on some post ups. I don't know if he hit a three. Damari Monsanto, who is one of my favorite players in the country and had a, he's going to hit some crazy shots, but we Carolina held him to two for seven. Parker Friedrichson hit that crazy one in the corner, but that was it. Like God, it was just an, maybe so bad. It, that shot was crazy, dude. <laughs> Friedrichson's good. When he but, hit that, my first thought was like, oh, it's going to be one of those nights. Right. That's what I thought too. It was like Carolina might actually lose this game, but yeah, I just, I believe in this team's defensive aptitude and I don't think it's a fluke. I mean, look, there, I would like to to agree with a couple things you said. First off, not thinking that people are missing open shots because they are completely out of rhythm because of Carolina's defense just shows me that you just don't watch enough basketball. Like you, When you force a team to take 10 straight tough shots, the 11th one is open, they are out of rhythm. They're not they're not going to hit it at the same clip as they would if they were just coming down the court and getting easy possessions. That's not how basketball works. You can watch any level of basketball and see that. Like at the NBA, when a team is out of rhythm, they don't hit open shots and they go on five minute scoring droughts. It happens at every level of basketball. Second off, I mean, Holy cow, Riley, breaking news. UNC's not going to go 28 and 3 and in a in a game in which makes or misses matter, there's going to be one team that makes shots and they lose and the freaking world will end. And like, bro, people are just so ignorant. Like, just watch the games. It's an 8 game sample size. This this isn't like they've played two conference games. This is an 8 game sample size wake up and realize that, yes, there will be a couple teams that hit some shots against them. Someone's going to hit some tough shots. A team's going to probably shoot 40% eventually or something. But this is who they are. This is their identity, and I know it's hard for some of y'all to grasp that because you're used to old UNC basketball, which isn't a whole lot of defense, but this is who they are, and that is a fact. Also, 
43 to 30 on the glass. Absolute domination once again. Love to see it. Second off, we won't do the whole the the whole Withers victory lap again because we did that in the last episode. But oh my god, dude! If this is the Jalen Withers we're getting, the ceiling is the roof. Shout out MJ and our pod. But the other thing I have to say is like, don't let all this distract you from what Elliot Cadeau is becoming right before our eyes, because. He was the offense keeping us in the game in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then RJ took over in the second. 14, 3 and 3, 7 of 12 shooting. I'm just telling y'all, man, you, you know, you're focused on RJ, Mondo, Ingram, all these guys. You're, you're I think some of you guys are, are skipping over the development of this 18-year-old point guard who has also become an exceptional defender, as Riley said. Like he uses his body the right way. He absorbs contact. He's not scared of contact at all, which is funny because when you look at him, you'd think like, oh, this dude's probably a finesse guy. Probably doesn't mm-hmm. like, he does not care. <laughs> he likes contact. And it's just, man, I genuinely, like, do you think, is there anything negative that we could even say? About Cadeau? Uh, uh, anyone, about anyone uh, on anyone? the team right now. Not really. I mean, I think <laughs> Hubert's managing the rotation great. Like, even Jalen Washington, I know, um, you know, his playing time has sort of dipped against some bigger, more athletic front courts recently. But he came off the bench, only played four minutes, but had four four points. And I think he might have had five rebounds. I might be exaggerating that. But, you know, he had that really nice dunk off the RJ feed. Like, even him, like, he was a... a I would say overall a positive when he, when he got in the game and, and gave a little bit of bench scoring. And I know Withers is getting some looks at the five and just excelling in his role as well. It, it's just a well-rounded team that has, they're going to have their top seven that they primarily lean on. And then any combination of Jalen Washington and Zayden, maybe a Conquo as that eighth guy to get spot minutes. Um, and that's sort of what is you need everybody to stay healthy. Like I, I will say that you got to like, that's not breaking any news, but yeah, you really need that top seven to stay healthy, but that's kind of all you need to win a national championship. Seven reliable guys and someone who can be a change of pace at that eight as the eighth man. Yeah. I mean, that's, I would say historically, if I had to guess, I mean, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me from what I can remember. Almost every team that's won a title is typically eight deep max. Mm -hmm. They don't play more than eight. So that's why Withers becoming what he's becoming has been so massive for this team because now we have a seventh. And then, like you said, the eighth guy can just be spot minutes. And, yeah, man, I just can't – like, there's just – it's everything's clicking. And this is when we'll start pushing our propaganda because, first off, Hubert Davis, I mean – how is he not the the favorite for coach of the year right now? Like they don't they don't like giving those awards to blue bloods, I guess. But I yeah, mean, it's just I mean, he's got to be up there. I don't think because it's... there's so many factors here. One, what happened last year? All we heard the whole offseason was: Is Hubert the one? Is he the right choice? Is he on the hot seat? The roster gets completely blown up. Like everyone transfers, besides literally Trimble, Washington, Davis. And Baycott, you get Cadeau to reclass and come early. Then you put on an absolute clinic in the portal. 
And then you have what we talked about very early on in the season, 10 capable guys. You figured that out. You've got the Mm -hmm. rotations perfectly. You're 16 and three. If they win the ACC outright, like, I just don't, I understand there's some crazy stories. Like, you know, you've got like Medved at Colorado State. Um, Mm -hmm. You've got teams like BYU that, that, yeah, they they weren't supposed to be as good, but who the hell thought North Carolina was going to be good? Especially top three in the nation good. I mean, people were clowning you and I for saying they had the potential to be a top 15 team. Yeah, at uh, Russell Hainline from the Crazy Cast, you owe us some apologies. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with with Hubert, I mean, I like this whole offseason, I was like, hey, he's got a lot to prove. He is taking a lot of gambles here with some of these guys he's bringing in from situations that weren't good, from programs that were losing programs a year ago. Um, I mean, I had my doubts. I was really skeptical going into the year that, like, I didn't rank Carolina in the preseason for the Almanac or for Heat Check or for anything. I thought this team was going to be somewhere in the 25 to 30 range that would spend some time ranked, spend some time unranked. And I thought come March, they'd be a five, six, or seven seed. Best case scenario, maybe a three or four seed. Um, yeah, I had a lot of doubts, but it's, it's, it was like a, it turned out to be a masterclass of a, of a roster building performance on, on Hubert and the staff's part because maybe he knew that he had the really the best guard in the country and RJ um and just was getting pieces that fit around them like Harrison Ingram fits so well next to both RJ and, and Baker as does Cormac Ryan um Withers to me is like the the biggest victory I know we talked about it some last class but how they've got out they've coached a lot of bad habits out of them and have been able to maximize this high-flying sort of versatile forward who can use his link to be disruptive on defense and crash the glass on offense and have some nice dunks along the way it's it's really impressive from all of them um yeah and that's again we're, we're talking all this and we still haven't even gotten to the fact that we have a guard who just went off for 36. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. And I mean, look, that's, that's... we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. That's where the the segue goes is you just talked about it. Did Hubert know? I mean, maybe he did. Maybe he maybe he was like, all right, people haven't actually seen RJ because it's always been RJ and Caleb. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Caleb's thriving in Arizona. He's doing his thing. So this is not a Caleb Love diss at all. But now it's like, this is RJ's offense. Mm-hmm. Let's build a roster around him and Monda. And it's like, it looks like that's what they did now. Could he have guessed RJ would be this good? I'm not sure. But 36 on only four made free throws. First off, my king is an ethical bucket getter. That's what we like to see. And, I mean, gosh, dude, special. Like, I mean, he was doing everything. Like, you expect the open catch and shoot threes. Like, that's kind of a given. But it's like the uh, the off the wrong foot like leaning floaters like the the runners he was making like it felt like for five straight minutes it was rj getting the defender on his back hit crabbing them and floating it from like 10 feet out and every single one went in like mm-hmm. it was an absolute master class performance scoring rj davis is the acc player of the year do you have any other propaganda you'd like to push? Because you mentioned it a little bit in 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 the pre-recording session. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fact that he got thirty six on four made free throws is insane. So I know crazy. the the refs were like letting both teams get away with a lot of physicality down low, so I can't complain too much because, like, I know I mentioned Cadeau's defense on Boopy. Cadeau was super physical and didn't get called oh, for yeah. some fouls where he, he maybe could have been. So I know it goes both ways. At the same time, I'm like RJ was getting balled on a bunch of those floaters or a bunch of his finishes at the rim, and they weren't calling anything. I'm like, can't you? Especially once the game got out of hand. Like, just juice it a little bit for the home team. Get him to the line a few more times and let him get a 40-piece. Like, yep. come on, we needed four more free throws. But, um, yeah, that that last three he hit off the bounce over Hunter Salas, like, to give him 36 was just an insane, like, cherry on top of the whole evening. Um, 
I love that he's doing again, doing it against high-level defenders. Like Hunter Salas was Gonzaga's best defender last year, and that was sort of his reputation when he entered the portal. Was like, hey, this guy's offense isn't here, but he's a former McDonald's All-American who's already a lockdown defender. And credit to Steve Forbes for fully unlocking him. But yeah, Salas is six five and couldn't guard RJ. Um, we saw RJ give Tristan Newton buckets earlier in the year. Like he doesn't seem to be. He gave. I mean, any number of Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner, whoever you want to put on him from Kentucky, like bigger dudes, he's going to give buckets. Um, and I think if you're, if, if the national player of the year isn't Zach Eady, I don't know how it's not RJ Davis. Like yeah. in, in my mind, I think Eady's numbers are so stupid. Like he's averaging, I think 23 and 13 for uh, the, I mean, number two team in the country, granted Carolina's number three. Um, it's going to be hard to, to, to beat him unless the voters just get fatigued and, Purdue drops some bad games down the stretch. To me, I don't see how RJ's not number two. Like, who even comes close? If if you say anyone else does, you're just looking at Kim Palm's rankings that are all metric based, and you're throwing Kyle Filipowski or Jaden Ladee up there, which like those dudes aren't on RJ's level right now. They're I mean, he's essentially twenty one four and four on forty two percent from three. If the field goal percentage can come up. And he can actually be 21, 4 and 4 on like 50, 40, 90. Then it's like, I mean, last 36 on Monday on 61 and 50 splits is just absolutely bananas. Like, that's an elite game for like an NBA scorer. Like, mm-hmm. th- that's not just like, you know, usually an elite college game is a dude dropping 25 on pretty good efficiency. Right. I mean, 36 is just that's madness and i mean i don't know listen i'm I'm just gonna go ahead and stir the pot why not my king and my player of the year doesn't need 15 free throw attempts a game to score 23 okay <laughs> listen that, that's that's all i know nah for real i mean it's just it's honestly unfair because like, if you're playing in college basketball at the same time Zach Eady is, you're just in between a rock and a hard place because <laughs> right. the dude is just unguardable. Like, you can't do anything about him. I mean, last week he put up 230 pieces, like, with ease. You can't do anything about him. He's too big. He's too good. So, I do. it sucks because if RJ was having the year he's having now on a year in which Zach Eady was not playing college basketball, mm-hmm he's probably the betting favorite. So it's it's a tough situation, but that being said, do miss me with that Filipowski for ACC player of the year stuff. Don't even do that. Like the only way I will accept that is if Duke goes 2 and 0 against UNC and Filipowski has like 25 and 10 in both of those mm-hmm. games. The ACC player of the year doesn't lose at home to Pitt. And let Blake Henson jump on your scores table. And the only thing you do about it afterwards is say that was disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, listen, all I'm going to say is I get it. You know, Duke had two starters out, but that's, that's like a up here and a right here thing, man. I'm telling mm-hmm. you right now, if UNC was missing two starters, they're dogs. That's the difference. They're dogs. They're like, the way that it's just crazy, man. UNC is like a pack of hyenas. Like they hunt, they freaking, they're just, I, I mean, it's so, like, I genuinely 
and don't get me wrong and not being disrespectful the 2017 team was so talented and so amazing but in terms of like that dog mentality we have not seen this since 08 like we really haven't like this is that like psycho t led like in your face physical we don't care like it's amazing like rj doesn't care because if you put a big on him he's too quick for the bigs if you put a, a guard on him he's too good and the guards can't stop him he'll shoot over him he'll do other stuff and then it's like I'm convinced Ingram is just an absolute psychopath. Like he'd probably try <laughs> to fight John Jones if John Jones was on the other side saying something to one of his teammates. And then Cadeau's a psycho. You look at Cadeau's face and you see this like young face, and you're like, oh, this kid's probably like really good, but he's probably not very like no. It's on some like baby face assassin. Like he mm-hmm. does not care. Like the way he goes to the basket, even is like. He's trying to kill someone. I'm like, dude, you're like six foot. Let's relax a little bit here. <laughs> and then you, and it's like, he's a dog. And then, you, you know, I, this is insane. But I think Baycott might be like the least dog of the starting five. All right. We, don't, we, we can't slander Baycott, though. No, that's not even slander. <laughs> that's just like, that's not even me slandering. That's literally like how tough the rest of these dudes are. Like, Ingram and Cormac are, like, two of the toughest dudes in the nation, probably. With Ingram, too, um, yeah, he is – it's funny, like, talking – if you talk to him in a post-game interview, he's the most charismatic dude. But on the court, he talks so much. He does so much chirping. He backs it up. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and he's he's another one of those guys who just become, like, this maniacal defender that – I didn't really think he had in him because of some of his athletic limitations. And I just got to say, if he can get his wrist healthy, because that's been a constant talking point in the post-game pressers is like his wrist is still bothering, bothering him. He heard it against Kentucky. I want to say he was shooting like 46% from the field pre wrist injury. And he's at like 38% since then or 35%. Um, If he, if he can just get his wrist right by March, like a, a fully, healthy Ingram and Cormac got like Cormac and rhythm and comfortable. We might not see it from Cormac this year. We might just get like a 30% year from three from Cormac, which I think Carolina can still make a run, even if that's the case. But if he but does, if, if both those things flip, I know like we're still speaking of hypotheticals. That's where like, I mean, Carolina has a great chance to be a one seed regardless, but I don't like, I want to pick against them. If they, if they get a healthy Ingram to go with RJ Davis and a Cormac who's making his open shots. I don't Dude, can we get an advanced ba- metric on what Ingram is shooting on possessions in which he gets one-on-one post opportunities against smaller defenders because I swear those turnarounds when he has smaller defenders on him and he backs him down all the way, I swear he doesn't miss them. Like mm-hmm. I swear he's like he's got to be like 70% on those shots. Like it's ridiculous. And yeah, the Cormac uptick. And then last bit of propaganda. We pushed our RJ. We pushed our Hubert. Now hear me out on this one. What are the chances with how good he has been of like an Armando ACC depoy? I think the opportunity is actually there because of the block shots and everything. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't even think about that. I'm like, who else would get it? That's what I'm saying. Because all the <laughs> other candidates, like, you know, at first going into the season, you think like Reese Beekman, but Virginia is terrible. Virginia has the seventh best defense in league play right now. They're seventh, seventh in the league. Seventh out of seventh out of fifteen. Holy oh cow. Gosh. I mean, UNC, that's what I'm saying. Who else dude, gets UNC it? is UNC is six points better uh defensive efficiency wise than number two, who's Notre Dame. That's insane, dude. That's well, like that's that's my point. Is like if draw. our defense is that good, somebody has to do it. And there it's either gotta be probably Mondo or Ingram. But which one? I think it'd be Mondo. I think you gotta give to Mondo. The the improvement on defense is nuts. Just do not mm-hmm. hit us with some Alondez Williams BS this year. That's all I ask. I mean, maybe Efton Reed could push for it just because he blocks a lot of shots, but uh, if if Efton Reed was getting, I think Efton Reed's a, a good rim protector. This is not meant. This is only meant as a little bit slander. It's only slander because I'm going to gas up UNC's best player. the The ACC Defensive Player of the Year can't get cooked in ball screens by RJ Davis to the extent that uh, happened on Monday night. But yeah, you no. you might be onto something with an RJ or excuse me, an Armando Defensive Player of the Year. Just looking at the league, I'm like, I'm telling you, the league's a lot of times not good. It, a lot of times it's shot blockers who get it. I don't think Florida State has anybody who's blocking a ton of shots. Uh, n- they usually have like a bunch of big dudes. Dude, Not, Florida State Papa, won Papa by Miller. I don't Florida State won by sixteen points last night. They had one block as a team, so they don't have their usual giant. Uh-huh. I guess I would say. Um, Dude, although, Armando really might be the defensive player of the year. I'm looking at I'm these saying. rosters. He's an anchor. Unless you're going to give it to like Fetty Federico, who has like a pretty good block block rate, I, I think it's it's either going to be Reese Beekman because of his name, uh, or it'll be Armando if UNC wins the league by if UNC goes like eighteen and two and wins the league by three or four That's, games. I'm telling you, man, and I, they just I, sweep every award. It could happen. I, I think there if UNC dominates ACC play from top to bottom, they have to sweep awards. Yeah, like I agree. And, yeah, I mean, their defense is just so elite right now that I can't see another route. All right. Wrapping it up. So, we gave y'all last pod our updated Final Four predictions. Well, another thing we did four corners-wise before the season was our ACC predictions. I don't remember exactly um, what we said. I know we both – I think we both had Syracuse at fourth. Which could technically well. still be an attainable <laughs> goal, but um, and then I know we had, I know we had UNC and Duke as the top two. Mm-hmm. Who was our third? Miami. Which no, it must also, have been Clemson. It's probably Clemson. Yours was Clemson. Mine was Miami. Was Miami. That's what it was. And man, I guess they both just aren't rocking with us. But um, <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna give our updated ACC standings riley who is your four carolina pretty clearly ahead at one i'll still go duke at two i don't feel great about it but they are five and two in league play and two of their like i know one of those losses was without roach and mitchell um the georgia tech loss was without tyrese proctor which then again i don't know how much of a difference that would have made in that particular game because georgia tech was just cooking them on ball screens and I don't think Tyrese Proctor would have helped that much. Um, but I guess I'll still throw them at number two. 
Oh gosh, number three, I'm gonna go Wake. I I just like the the roster makeup of this team too much. I think they're a tournament team. I believe with how good their guards are and their ability to get hot, I I would ha- wouldn't have any issues picking them to the second weekend. Um, depending on their draw, like if they're a seven seed or something, I will. And they have a week to like if Wisconsin's their two seed and they're a seven seed, I'm picking them to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, like I yeah. I know we talked about Boopy. Hunter Salas is a bucket. Cam Hildreth is a great third option. Um, Andrew Carr can cause some guys issues as well with his size and ability to shoot. So I'll go with them three. And I'll still go Clemson at number four. They had a big win at Florida State uh, on Saturday, which they should not have lost that Georgia Tech game at home. That was killing me because I'm like, can y'all just keep this? Can y'all keep our road win respectable at Clemson? Do you really have to lose to Georgia Tech in a game that they were up like nine with 30 seconds left? That's a little fluky. Um, I know Clemson teams tend to fade, but yeah, just a lot of veteran talent on that roster. And yeah, I think they they should still should still finish top four in this league. Yeah, mine's uh mine's pretty similar. Uh UNC at the top, obviously. I still think Duke is pretty clearly the second best team. I mean I think the separation is definitely there. Mm-hmm. From there, um, it's a little different for me. So I actually like Wake to finish fourth. I, I, they're definitely a top four team. But I'm actually like kind of a believer in this Leonard Hamilton FSU stuff. Like Jameer mm-hmm. Watkins has been playing out of his mind, like borderline first team all ACC level. Um I they're just playing great. Like they play good defense. They're mm-hmm. always long and athletic. And Leonard Hamilton is a Gastonia legend, so I have to rock with him. Um, so yeah, I actually so I, third. I looked this up just in preparation for this and thinking about the Florida State game since the calendar turned to January. Florida State's a top thirty team per T rank, the Bart Torvik metric. Um, they're seven and one or six and one in that stretch. Uh, let me see one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Six and one in that stretch. And they have a, a top, I think it was a top 25 defense by that metric. So yeah, they've figured some things out. Those losses to like Lipscomb, South Florida, Georgia, that's, a res- that huge that's game. what, see, that's what worries me. We won't do a full preview, but last thing before we get out of here, that's what does worry me a little bit. It's like their resume is a little cooked because of the losses they took. So mm-hmm. this is kind of a must win game for them. Right. Um, what is your what's your prediction for Saturday? How do you think it goes? You know, I was uh, initially thinking that either this one or at Georgia Tech would be the letdown game. I'm not worried about Georgia Tech anymore. Famous last words. I know Carolina struggles in Atlanta, but Georgia Tech, they've had some moments. They beat Clemson, they beat Duke, but that's probably the best it's going to get for them. But after the way Carolina played this past Monday, where they had such a sh- slow shooting night, uh, in the first half and then just caught fire in the second. I, I think they're going to keep the momentum rolling. Uh, RJ's playing too well. Ing- it was good to see Ingram. I know he missed his threes, but he did look a little bit healthier just finishing around the basket. Um, yeah, I, I think Carolina's got too much right now. I, I I I will say I bet the double-digit win streak ends this Saturday. I think I so, bet- too. I, I think this Carolina is going to be... By six. I think it's going to be... 75 to 67 that's my guess that's a good that's a good guess i think i'll go man i'm like i was gonna say like 77 to 70 but i don't know if florida state can score 70 i don't think they can score 70 on us uh i'm gonna i'll go with the 77 70 
prediction, but I bet it's going to be like 65 to 61 with like three minutes to go and RJ hits a big three or Ingram hits a big three, pulls away, gets some distance, and Florida State has to foul UNC and send them to the line a lot. Yep, and then they hit a couple like garbage time threes almost. Yeah. 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 I could see that too. But yeah, I mean, I think – I don't know, man. I I think – they're going to finish the month of January, 10-0 conference play. I really do. And then they get to February, which is going to be pretty, pretty brutal because you start with Duke at home. or Well, a Duke at UNC, I guess, would sound better. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. But that's all we got for you today, man. Listen, don't forget, guys. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. We appreciate all the support. You guys have been showing extreme love lately. If you were listening on Spotify or Apple, make sure you download. Make sure you give us a like on there too, man. Drop a review, whatever you got to do. Follow us on Twitter at the pod is the roof. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carabatsis. Follow Riley at Riley underscore Davis three. You know we're here all season long, baby. All season long covering the heels, talking about all things UNC, pushing our RJ Davis for player of the year propaganda enjoy the rest of your week guys watch the game on saturday we'll be back with a recap see you then